This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! With a friend, and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. It's a timeless story. A story of graciousness and grandeur. It's the story of America's largest home. Of endless gardens and leisurely strolls through rolling green meadows. Come walk in the footsteps of the Vanderbilt family and experience all there is to see and do at Biltmore. Your story awaits. Plan your stay at Biltmore.com. another a edition of this show you know what it is by now we don't have to tell you uh today i am joined by my co-host the lovely omar good afternoon good morning whoever's listening how you doing you're right yeah not too bad mate not too bad you not too bad so it's interesting this is a little turner of roles here you leading the show in so throw me off a little bit i know you lived done a look up all about me last week so but yeah good to be back it's um yeah we've done a couple of shows last week it feels feels weird doing it without you to be fair um yeah because uh, i've got no one to rein me in um <laughs> but i think that you know i think we're finding our feet we're realizing now we don't have to shout down the mics we can we can get to where we need to be and 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 we seem to be able to find in um guests who want to come on the show now which is great um obviously later on we're we're going to uh we've got mark white who probably no one knows who that is everyone's probably scrolling the red thinking when did we have a player called mark Wright? not not mark Wright is in josh Wright's brother we're talking about a guy called mark Wright. he's the uh, owner and manager of dorking fc um 
and we'll play that in later on. But I suppose um, we might as well go on to it and uh, and say your views of Swansea game there, no more. Yeah, uh, not the greatest, was it? I mean, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I was disappointed, obviously, for us to lose. It was our first defeat of the season in the league. Wasn't obviously the result we wanted, and obviously we all kind of was hoping for something positive last week when we was talking about it previewing the game. Yourself and myself, yourself and me, we were both kind of positive about that. But I think in on the face of it, Swansea are a team that will probably be in the upper echelons of the league. It's a, it was a tough start to the season, and to come out of it, you know, it was two undefeated. I think at this point, theme was the nature of the two goals we conceded, but. It was nice to see Bradshaw get a goal. Obviously, first goal in 273 days for him. So, you know, credit to him there. You love Omar for the stats. <laughs> I mean, quote me to it as far as you can throw it. I mean, it might be off by a little bit. But obviously, last goal was in the start of January for him. So, it was nice. And it was obviously a well-worked goal. And he, he took his goal nicely. And obviously, deserved that. And it's credit to Ralph for sticking with him up front. Um, yeah, like, like I said, it's it just the nature of the two goals we conceded, man. I didn't really enjoy it. I mean, we're normally solid defensively. We don't make mistakes. And... The second goal being a goal mass scramble. The first goal, Bidwell beats Roman to a ball in the far, in the far corner. It's not really great, was it, I don't think? No, I think it was, you know, uh, a bad day at the office, probably. Um, two sloppy goals. Romeo, I think, was to blame for the first one. Um, but again, to be fair, I think everyone's chatted this game over and over. I think it is what it is. It's, you know, we're never going to win every game. Um I think the fact that Bradshaw probably keeps getting picked over Smith is probably because of his work rate. He's not just mm-hmm. um, the striker as such. He's, he's obviously all over the pitch. But hopefully the goal's given him a bit of confidence and hopefully he can he can knock on. Has this international break come at the right time? Possibly. Has it come at the wrong time? Possibly. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll come back to the, um, the England bit in a minute. But um, how are you feeling that this formation, what Rowlett keeps playing, is work is is working. You think it's working now? I think so. I mean, Saturday was obviously you're talking after defeat, so you could always be critical of how we lined up and stuff like that. But I think on the face of it, he came in with a mission of trying to get us to be hard to beat at first, and he stuck with formation now. Uh, the creative outlet is not the greatest, but I think it's starting to improve over a few games. The team knows what they need to do; they need to start scoring goals. On the face of it, if we can, if we keep a clean sheet Saturday, we win one 0 away from home. We'll be talking completely differently about the show and how we're feeling about our chances. I think let's see how we do it. The problem is with us: how are we can do with five defenders on the pitch when we play the likes of Wickham, Luton, and Barnsley, which is our next three games. So let's see where we are after a week of um, three games for us. I think they're probably the biggest three games we're going to have of the season. I think. You're looking at a run of games there. Wickham away, Luton at home and Barnsley at home, mate. Uh, to me, that should be nine points. I'm not saying I want nine. Obviously, I want nine points. I'll be happy with six. I'll be happy with seven. But I think if we really want to be contenders this year, they're the sort of games we should be winning. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think you're right. It should be nine points, but we'll probably end up getting um, five or six or something out of it. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it should be an easy win, all three of those. Um, but it, you know, it all depends. I mean, Wickham ain't had a win all season, yeah, have they? They've no, I mean, there's no, there, there is no such thing as an easy win. But if we want to be doing well this season, they're the three games we need to pick up points. And you then look at after that, you got Preston away, then Huddersfield at home. You know, October could be a really good month for us. We've got off to the wrong foot on Saturday at Swansea, but I do think we'll talk about international break as well. Like, I think it's coming at a good time for us. Hopefully, we can not to be players away on international duty. 
work on our creative outlet on the on the training pitch and hopefully put in some good performances against them three sides and we'll be talking differently in a week's time, mate. No, I totally agree. I mean, um I think that I don't think Rowlett's lost a lost a room or anything else, like some of the shit was going on. Um where some of the chats going across and players are saying, oh, I just think it's a bad day at the office. I think um, Swansea were proper attacking and they broke us on the break. And because of that, they got the result they wanted. Um, Swansea are unbeaten as well, mate. And they've only conceded one goal themselves. And that was us, obviously, on Saturday. So, you know, they're obviously going to be at the right end of the table, much like the likes of Brentford that we've played already this season. So I, I weren't this hard on Saturday. We was in the game. We probably could have scored another goal in the second half it's just unfortunately we can see two sloppy goals and unfortunately for us that's not something we're used to at the minute but I'm sure a couple of weeks on training ground like I said three big games I'm hopeful we come back and kick on afterwards yeah no I I, I agree with you completely and utterly I mean some of the some of the views what we're on which I'm just scrolling through now to look at don't we, a couple of said you know we don't really have a good day um in, in in Wales normally as a rule um, the ref mate the ref was cagey to say the least I mean you know the, the going off at the end going off with his hand over his mouth laughing and joking with the Swansea players was questionable um, the penalty decision um, not getting that was questionable the, what I'd already blown if you listen to the replay watch the replay he doesn't blow until the ball's come across the goal so mm. I don't know what he's getting at but I mean You've got, I mean, we put out, you know, rate the ref for today's game. And we said we mentioned some people. So you've got uh, Mum 2, J, uh, Sick. There's no good system of rating anything that goes low enough, which is fair enough. The emotional one, the steroid-loving cunt gave us nothing. <laughs> uh, Diane Day, minus 10. Loyal Wall, um, basically cunt. Neil, physical friend to the show, one for turning up. Uh, Miss Popcorn, Miss Sparkler. Remember, Miss Sparkler, by the way, does personalised Millwall birthday cards and, and uh, anniversary cards, etc. So if you want any of those and you want to keep it in-house, speak to her. She's giving them a zero. Billy Sexton, fucking shocking. Dave Muffet, zero. And that's too much. Uh, Taff Viking, I normally don't moan at refs as it balances out, but as, as a one-off, completely fucking shit. Uh, Dice Man, one. Uh, Wall Wall MFC uh, the usual we get Dave Beadle disgraceful decision um, I like that one David David Scott David Scott wank um, where is it most of them poor uh, David Stanley can we give a minor score so you know as a whole going across all of these some you know memes of piles of shit and Clueless and Stevie Wonder pictures and pictures of steroid abusers and I think Rowlett's <laughs> Bermondsey Bill has put I think Rowlett's tactics need to be called into question today rather than the cheating officials. We're not obviously in any way saying that the referee is or was cheating or did cheat. Uh, we just think that he possibly had some very bad decisions um, and hopefully that he looks back on the footage and reflects on his decision and probably agrees that he had a shocking day at the office. What do you yeah, think? I mean, yeah, the referee wasn't great at all. The penalty decision, in the sec- or the lack of a decision in the second half was, it was an interesting one. I, th- I think the commentators didn't pick up it at the time. I mean, the I follow itself was a bit dodgy on Saturday, but 
we'll touch we're on that, that one. now. Yeah, we'll, we'll use that one. So less said about that one. I mean, I had no commentary through. I don't know if that was just me, but I couldn't get commentary through on the feed on Saturday. And that was a paid for meal subscription. But regardless, um, that wasn't obviously the end of the world. It was fine. But yeah, the penalty decision or lack of was not great. Uh, the, the referee is referees, unfortunately. And as for what Bill said about tactics, I mean, like I said, if we scored a goal away from home, if we didn't concede two, We've, and we got a point or we came away with three points, we would all have been happy. So it's all subjective. Unfortunately, little decisions didn't go our way. We'll have to just knock dust stuff off and go again, I think. I think you're right. Shall we just draw the game review to a close there? Yeah, short and sweet. Just leave it at that, I think, mate. Bit of a bit of good news this week. Millwall was 135 years young. Um, okay. Obviously started in 1885 on the 3rd of October. Uh, I think it was the third, yeah, 3rd of October. Um, first defeat was a 5, I think it was a 5-1 defeat um, to an East London team. Um, in pitches, what are no longer there, obviously. Um, Sexton, um, I can't think of his surname now, was our, our first uh, chairman, manager, uh, captain. Um, it seems a bit weird celebrating it without fans being there because there would have probably been big celebrations at the ground yeah. this year, wouldn't there? Happy birthday to Ben Thompson as well, which was yeah, the same day as Mill's birthday. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's unfortunate. Obviously, I remember the 125-year anniversary when that came around and the special shirt. I've got it somewhere in the cupboards, you know, all the nice memories we had of that. Unfortunately, there was no celebration of that this time around because obviously no fans there to really participate in it. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously loads of history there to be seen. What more do I need to say about Mill's history, right? Yeah, I'm quite surprised that the club didn't come out with a centenary, you know, like a 135-year shirt. Mm. Or at least um, some sort of package yeah. or something. I know, obviously, as we know, like they put stuff out about the whole loyalty point system that's come in, the loyalty scheme, shall I say, um, and obviously donating some of your money to the club. But, you know, to celebrate the birthday, they probably could have done something there to spin up a bit of cash. I mean, everywhere in a minute it seems to be... We want your cash, we want your cash, which I understand yeah. they do. I think they could do things possibly slightly different. You know, the uh, virtual line, junior lines thing, I think could have been done more better, um, mm. potentially. Um, you know, something on Hoff was a great idea. You know, why couldn't you get all the team, all the players, all the managers to give half an hour of their time once a week? And do you know a live Zoom chat with kids with questions, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which would be you know, which would last you up till probably the end of the season if you've done a half hour a week or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, some team chats, you know, some one on ones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You, you know, these are kids what you want to do, and at the moment, these are where you need to be grabbing hold of your audience because my biggest fear is that if you know, with the state of I follow at the minute. Um, with no commentary, shit footage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, are the kids really going to stay glued to the set for ninety minutes, or are they just going to go twenty minutes in? Oh, it's not working properly again. I'm going to my room to play Fortnite, or I'm going to go play <laughs> Call of Duty, or I'm going to go play FIFA, which we'll come back to in a sec. You know, um, and I think that's your battle you've got is how you're going to start retaining your fan base because even fellas our age are going to be, you know, the, watching it on iFollow is nowhere near the same as being in a pub, watching a normal televised game with fans in or or being there live. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the whole social aspect of following me all and up and down the country with me and my mates, something I've been doing since I was about seven or eight you know all my friends are because of Millwall not because I knew them from my area or anything I know these people because we sit around each other at Millwall we yeah. come close you know we go to the games I think we've tried to make a thing out of it you know obviously maximum of six people in our little social bubble but we're trying to you know meet up at one person's house or whatever or, and then obviously watch the game and then go to the pub afterwards so you still get that social element there but yeah, it's nothing like actually attending to a game, mate. And, you know, getting on a, a train at half nine in the morning with my McDonald's breakfast and a pint, you know what I mean? Like, that's I miss that. I miss all of the elements of following Mill. And obviously, I go to Mill for the football. I can't talk not about it, you know what I mean? That's, that's what we're there for. But it's the whole shebang sort of thing. The result is important, but the day itself is what I live for on a Saturday. And it's unfortunately something we've not had now for seven months. It's, and counting. And counting, and let's be honest, probably about a calendar year before we next see him play in person. So, yeah, I, I miss it like hell, and it's not the same. You, you're right. How do you keep people entertained? I think you know it was interesting. I heard somewhere you know they're getting about two thousand downloads or two thousand strip people tuning into the stream. So it's obviously not a lot, um, but obviously you've got season holders. They're not counting into that. So probably four thousand people watching, which is nowhere near the number. The same. Well, yeah. you see, you say that, but four thousand people. If you've got a family of five sitting home yeah, watching it, then by the time you add it up, you could be looking at potentially there could be twenty, twenty five thousand people watching it. Maybe so. But unfortunately you're not gonna get that money. No. You're only gonna get ten yeah. pounds. I mean, I'm not being funny. If me and you are sitting in the same house watching or you and your six mates sitting in the same house, you might all be season ticket holders, but only one of you's using your code. It's for the away games as well and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, definitely. So even if you buy a tenner, there's only one tenner going in rather than all of you paying it. So, you know, you're not going to make the money there. Um, I think the club are going to be looking at, you know, away games being streamed, you know, turn the club into a pub as such um, and show, you know, the away games there and you can buy a drink and have food, you know, sit down, have food, etc. which is a cracking idea, which I think is coming. But again, I can't see it being cheap. No, and I'm sure um, there is. It's got its own issues, obviously. It's you not going to be like the follow back where you pay a tenner. Do you know exactly, what I mean? and obviously they've got the streaming rights to adhere to. So you know, if you're going to start selling beer whilst streaming it, is that uh, you know, is that something against that? I don't know. It could be anything to it. So, um, but yeah, the, the stream backs sound like a good idea. Obviously, you're limited by how many people can turn up as well, though. But you know, I suppose if it's a big game in particular and it's something to play for, definitely worthwhile doing. I suppose. Well, you take us nicely in, and we're and. And we come back to the other bit, well, the FIFA bit, in yeah, a little bit. Um, I suppose we might as well let the listeners know and, and put it out there. Um, we were approached by a fan oh, two weeks ago now, maybe, maybe a bit more, um, that they basically wanted to start a parliamentary petition. Yeah. Um, they approached us, and obviously my experience with AMS with a protest was, yeah, no worries, we support it. Um, and unfortunately that pro that petition was refused and it was refused because someone called Ashley Greenwood had already started a petition. When we found a petition, it had, it had eight signatures on it. So we took the decision that we were going to sign it. So I was eight, I think home I was nine or whatever it was early, early numbers for us. Yeah. Um, we then decided that we would push it. We pushed it like mad. You can check our feeds. It was probably Friday, Thursday, Friday. I think we started pushing it all over the weekend. Uh, you, the Millwall faithful, got behind it and supported it like mad, sharing it, retweeting it, everything else. I think one of our tweets has been seen by 80,000 people and interactions and everything else, which is fantastic. 
yes, we sort of spammed um, that Mill podcast account um, to get it out there. Well, people within the club helped us um, get it into media lens as such. Mm-hmm. And with loads of um, digging out Adrian Durham from Talksport Drive, he uh, eventually picked it up. And then Dorking FC chairman, who we're going to be talking to in a bit, uh, he picked it up. He started to hashtag let fans in a while back. Um, that petition, as of right now, is standing at 186, nearly 187,000 fans, which is fantastic. Um, but would that petition be where it is now if we hadn't spotted it? for the fact that ours got refused and we pushed it out. So as always, um, it's little old Millwall <laughs> who leads and the rest follow. I mean, Omar's seen communication we've had with certain football organisations who, you know, fan organisations and whatnot, um, not related to Millwall before anyone starts going, oh, you know, this it wasn't, they've been very supportive. Um who didn't want to get involved, you know, didn't think the petition was worthwhile, thought it was a pointless. Um, but as always, we take a challenge and we attack it head on. Um, Indeed, we mate. are supporting it. It's Concord FC. The um, It's quite weird because Dorking FC got involved and we're working with them on this now. And they've got a connection to Millwall. And so is Concord. Concord's got a connection to Millwall because they had Gary Alexander's boy go there. And Dorking FC's got a connection to Millwall because Mark Beard helps him out with training and also Mark Beard's boy plays for him. So that's um, the thing around the petition. The petition is calling for fans to come in because Albert Hall, 5,500 capacity, they're being allowed to have 3,500 people in it. Uh, the craziness last weekend, we had cinemas showing Premiership football. I mean, where would you rather go, Amo? Would you rather go to the cinema to watch a football game or would you rather go to a football game? Yeah, I'd rather go to a football game. To be honest, watching the cinema doesn't really whack the appetite, to be honest. I mean, maybe as a neutral, if you're sitting down and you want to watch it on a big screen at a push. But if I'm going to watch it as a neutral, I'll be in the pub somewhere. I wouldn't move really in the cinema watching it personally. So It'll be like going to Wembley or fucking yeah. West Ham United watching exactly. fucking it with big piles <laughs> of popcorn you see and all that. Lot. It's bollocks. So look, yeah. The link will be on this show notes for the petition. It's out there. It's across our Twitter feed. Retweet, reshare. Um, just keep it going. Use the hashtag, let fans in. We'll keep that trending as much. And it's now about putting pressure on the government now because the way the debate system works is the debate isn't being held in the Houses of Parliament. It's being held in Westminster Hall. There's a mm-hmm. debate committee and it's up to them to decide a date. And then it's up to them to push that date out and, and give it relevant time to be going. The more people who sign and we drive this number up and get it 250, 200, 250, 300, whatever, and get it higher and higher, the more likely we're going to be attracting more noise. And look, this isn't about open stadiums and send people back. If you don't feel safe going back to a stadium or you're isolating or whatever it is, that's fine. We're not saying you have to go back to the stadium. What we're saying is that there should be scientific evidence to be able to say why we can't go back to the stadium. Because at the moment, the evidence say, the, when the government say they don't have an issue with you going back to the stadium. With you sitting in the stadium, they don't have an issue. What they have an issue with is you going to and from a stadium, meeting your mates in the pub, meeting your mates in the calf, 
meeting your mates on the way to the ground, etc. And Millwall's put so many causes, procedures in place that South Bermondsey will be shut afterwards. You'd have to go to other stations, more ways to move around, etc., etc. There ain't going to be the crowds what they want. But the trouble is none of the government's gone to the football clubs and asked them what's what. So we guilted them. We guilted and made a, a fan organisation um, pre-track or, sorry, their mouthpiece probably told them to retract. All of a sudden, thanks to, I think, people within Millwall, EFL retweeted it, Premier League retweeted it, the FA retweeted it. And then as soon as they did, all the clubs realised that actually it's okay for us to do it. So then we got Millwall, which was leading the charge, Man United, West Ham, Chelsea, Arsenal, all of them started retweeting the petition. And obviously we are where we are now. So on that note, let's go into the interview I did with Mark White and we'll come back in a bit after that. So enjoy that. And uh, you're listening to that Millwall podcast. Let's go. Right. Hello and welcome. Uh, this is a slight change of segment, I suppose, but you know, we've been uh, speaking about all this COVID-19 bollocks and football or, um, and the way that, you know, you can go certain places, but you can't go into football stadiums and we know the work and effort what Millwall's done. Well, obviously, um, unless you've been living under a rock the last couple of days, you would have seen, uh, uh, especially us, and Dorkin, um, Dorkin FC have um, been pushing this petition um, to an inch of its life, and really, really pleased to say that we have um, Mark Mark White on the light on uh, on the call on the show, and he is the um, the owner of Dorkin FC. And I just thought it'd be good to um, to obviously hear it straight from their mouth um, what this is all doing and, and affecting and whatnot. So. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hope you're well. No, um, uh, cheers for inviting me on, Mickey. I've heard good things about it, so it's it's good to be part of it. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, we're we're fairly new, but we've got a, you know, we've got a pair of bollocks, and we don't mind talking about, you know, things what might get avoided by some for controversy. We're not really fussed if we upset the FA and whatnot. Then, you know, questions it, need mate. to be answered. So, yeah, how is it yeah. affecting you as a club? Because you're, what are you, step three or four? Two. Two. Step two, yeah. So, National League. Um, well, so, do you know what? The irony is it's affecting us probably. Like when, when this first came about, Mickey, I said at the time, anyone outside of the championship here, championship here is screwed. Right? I said, if you are League One, League Two below, um, you are in trouble. Because, and I think the clubs maybe thought it might be a short-term thing, but the government haven't cared too uh, too much at all for anybody anywhere and football has been at the bottom of their list and that, that was clear to see so um, from our part about a week ago Boris has basically inferred that fans are going to be six months and he said the same for the Millwall League One clubs etc um, so at that point you're thinking right hold on a minute you're getting rid of furlough there's no steam no fans for six months what's going on um, so we just felt like we had to start shouting about it because it's not just the commercial, it's not just the clubs run for the community like Millwall. It's not just, um, it's the social aspect, it's the commercial aspect, it's all of it. The clubs could literally die. Um, so, yeah, we started banging a drum. People like yourself have got on board that do things the right way, aren't afraid to speak out. And that's what it needs. Because a lot of these clubs are too afraid to speak out. I don't know why. 
because actually, if you look even at the in the last 24 hours, I would say unprecedented. The FA, the Premier League, EFL have all spoken out and joined this campaign off the back of what we've done, right? Yeah. Which tells you what you need to know is that they ain't got a clue what's going on. They're worried as well. There ain't no plan. They're all relying upon this government to say, right, we're not going to leave football in the lurch and, and we need to hope that's the case. I totally agree with you. And obviously, you know, emails, what I've shared with you, I've shown you and stuff and we've spoken about what obviously I've dealt with certain organisations and whatnot, who, you know, maybe at a time it'll be right to discuss them, but at the moment I'll keep them, you know, harsh. We know who we're talking about. Who, as so much ago as, as a week ago, didn't want to fucking get involved. Didn't want a petition. Didn't think a petition was worthwhile. Only two petitions in football have ever got a hundred fan, over a hundred thousand fans. Not worth it. We've got MPs on the pocket. We're going to sit there and and push these guys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, you know what? We left it to you, and you done fuck all. Basically, your 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 MPs in pocket didn't do anything. There's a hell of a lot of clubs what are being affected. There's a hell of a lot of people, you know, worried about their jobs, um, worried about their income. Take aside the football side of it. Look at the fans. There's mental illness. There's, you know, fans who, who can't meet up on social environments with going to football, the days out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a massive community, local businesses, the charities, everything else are being affected. So we, we found a petition um, at the end of last week. Uh, we had an, we, there was an, a, a petition what um, a Millwall fan started what was refused um, because there was already one going. We found it when there was about six, seven people on it. We pushed it as hard as we could over the weekend and we got it up to about 10, 12,000. Um, you then get on board and start pushing it as well. We get Adrian Durham, who... I've got to take my hat off to Adrian Durham. Yeah. Um, I've never really been his biggest fan over the years. I think sometimes he talks complete bollocks. But on this... I think he's talking absolute sense. Well, I the think. good thing about you, Mickey, the bit, like you're saying there, mate, the thing with this is it's brought, it's brought everybody together because, you know, you're a football fan or you're not, you know, ultimately. Um, and ultimately, what this has done is shown those people that give a shit and are prepared to put their head above the parapet. You know what happened there, going back on your point? You know, all these clubs just, just treated it like, you know, a run-of-the-mill thing. You know, I'll speak to our MP, he'll speak for us, you know. What's going on out there? This is a once-in-a-lifetime situation. Can only be likened to bloody World War Two, you know, in terms of lack of football, lack of activity, uh, recession like not seen before, predictions. I mean, so no more for them because the government have shown absolute contempt for many industries and not least football. Uh, in actual fact, what the government are doing uh, in an age where speaking candidly, you can't say boo to a goose. They are stereotyping football next level. Well, that's saying, the problem. Yeah, that's what they're doing. This is, this, look, let's not hide away from it. This is blatant discrimination against football fans because we are the naughty folks around. Yeah. We're not trusted. We're not there to behave. I mean, fuck's sake, they pay, you know, the police get paid to get football banning orders on people. But the, the whole activity around policing fans, we're the only people in the country what can be arrested for being drunk going to a football game. You know, you can, you, you were the only people who have to provide your passport to police on England games. If you're on a ban, you know, th there's no other sport around it. What does it? I always think that 
in the list of sports, it would have been football, you know, it'd be rugby, cricket, um, golf, you know, the tennis, all the, all the big sports, um, the horse racing, et cetera, et cetera, would go back first before us. When actually it should have been the elite football going back first and yep. then lower it down the league and then bring it down. Because, not being funny, these football grounds are more COVID secure than probably pretty much any other business, including the House of Commons, on, in England at the moment. So that's the thing, isn't it? So what, what's got people out of bed is that it is great to see a little bit of honesty from everybody is that they can't stand the contradictions, right? You should know, I've got a Chesington World of Adventures, theme parks, cinemas, theatres, Royal Albert Hall. These people don't know, wouldn't know what segregation was or safety, if you like, if it smacked them in the face. But a football ground, you know, this is a day-to-day job, you know, managing ingress, understanding, you know, all the safety laws. We have to, you know, produce, we have to study a 190-page sports ground safety document, right? This is what clubs do every day of the week beyond COVID. So you're telling me, you're telling me that you couldn't put 15,000 people socially distanced in a large football ground what makes you know, what tells you what you need to know about this is no one's even mentioned you could do it with a mask. Surely you could do it with a mask, right? You know, like no one's even mentioned that. This is this is how crazy it is, right? When they done the um, when they done the tests, so you had Borough. Borough didn't have masks. Norwich didn't have masks. Exactly. Cholton had masks, right? And you're like, well, you know, I think Borough. I think you could sit in a bubble. Charlton, you couldn't necessarily. Charlton had one seat, four seats free, then another person. So they had about seven, eight people on a row because um, a power of mine is a Charlton fan and he, he was talking about it on the show the other week. But if you can't have the tests being done to a set level, how the fucking hell are you going to get around with everybody in the country doing it? I mean, you know, I'm not being funny. There's people in Wales who, who I work with, in, people in Wales who can't leave the county because there's police on the county lines. But I know people who've driven into Wales and can go in the McDonald's where it's ramoed and go everywhere else. But when you go into these places, they ain't got a clue who you are. Every fan who comes through your turnstile, who's a season ticket holder, you, you've got their name, address, phone number, you know where they live. You've got everything. You know, you know everything about them. So if Track and Trace come to you, just go, there you go, sir, there's a list, off you go. Yeah, it, bottom line is it can be done. It can be done a darn site safer than a lot of the things that are allowed already. So I think... The fact that there's such big contradictions. The thing is, obviously, it doesn't do them any favours because all you do is you're not going to listen to any wider message. You're a lot less likely to listen to a wider message if you're sitting there thinking, hold on a minute, I can watch a game on the TV in the, in the club bar, but I can't go outside and watch it. You can't tell me you're taking this seriously, right? You know, that's how, the rules at the moment are you can, you can watch it, you can, you can watch a match in your bar with, with people um, but you couldn't pop outside the door and watch it in 400 metres of open space. That's the rules. So all the time you're telling me that, I'm going to take anything else you tell me, probably with a pinch of salt. And, and the fact that last weekend we could have gone to a cinema and watched Premier League rather than go, and sit, rather than go, sit, in a, go sit in a ground. You know, I mean, look at Tottenham. Tottenham's taken shitloads of money off the local authority, right? Already to build their stadium, so they could have quite happily of what what's that eighty thousand seated thereabouts. Yeah. They could have quite happily got twenty thousand people in there without 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 a shadow. 
But yeah. why not? But you could go to the cinema around the corner at Wood Green and watch a live Tottenham game, but you couldn't do it in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, you know, even if there was a thousand, five hundred, two thousand, the fact it's a zero tolerance on outdoor sport of so many different factors says someone's got it wrong. So what we're trying to do here, us obviously, you're involved. If we're trying to basically say, right, enough is enough. You've now got to debate this in Parliament. Um, MPs from around the House need to challenge these contradictions. And for me, you'd be a brave man to defend and justify some of these contradictions we're looking at. Yeah. And going back on your point a minute ago, this stereotyping, discrimination against football, you know, I've got an 84-year-old guy that half an hour ago pulled up on his uh, mobility scooter outside our ground and he's come down twice a week for about six weeks. His wife died two years ago and he keeps asking me when he can come back and watch a game, right? We've got families galore that watch football. We've, like you said, we've got the social aspect galore. You know, in actual fact, probably, if you were to be frank about it, frank about it, football now is probably 10% what it used to be and 90% something else, right? So, you know, and to your point, you know, due to the logistics available in this world, everything track and trace, it can be done in the right way. So, you know, I think um, they've been called out, haven't they? I'm not being funny, but the amount of money that's wrapped up in the EFL, the FA, etc., with all their apps, that you're telling me that they couldn't put an add-on to their apps of just saying, when you go into the stadium, you just use the app, there's a QR scanner, and you just scan a barcode on the out of the building, you go bop, and that's where you sit, whatnot, or your seat has a QR code, and you go click, and they store all your information. So that if anything happens, track and, track and trace can come in and go, right, and the EFL, the clubs, whoever, just go bop, there you go, there's all the information. It's done. Because I can go eat at Five Guys, McDonald's, KFC, anywhere I want, and it's even though it's legality now, no one comes up to me and forces me in to put my details into a computer or fo forces me to do anything. They're just, can you do this? But a football, if I want to go in there, I agree to the conditions of only season ticket holders at the minute and they've That's got it. all my details. You're on CCTV, so you're That's known. It. And most of your punters are probably known to you. You're my probably known by face. You're probably known by name. This goes back to my point a minute ago. Football clubs are more set up than anybody to operate in this way because that's their day-to-day -day business is identification, ingress, safety in sports grounds, you know, segregation. I mean, it's incredible. That's why so many people have come on board here because people don't like an injustice. Um, what we've got to do now, we need the government to be fair and reasonable, debate the, uh, debate the thing um, and, and give everybody a return back to what they want to get back to. I don't think the government have any plan whatsoever for the EFL. They're relying upon the Premier League, right? Premier League, rightfully so, are probably thinking, are you taking the piss out of us, right? Um, because we run a good business. I can't see Matt Hancock and all these boys with multi-million pound companies bailing out other people, right? No. But they want the Premier League to. Um, but um, no, so the EFL, Rick Parry, they're, they're worried about it all. They're worried, mate. No, and the FA are worried too. No question. I think, I think it's a point what you raised earlier. It is unprecedented in the way that a load of journalists were going, fucking hell, I've never seen this before, when EFL put out their statement. The it's EFL happened. put out, you know, retweeted this. Then all of a sudden, all the, you see, the, the, what happened was as soon as the Premier League done it, the EFL, et cetera, done it, 
what this did then is actually clubs then felt, well, we're allowed to do this. Because nine times out of ten, clubs don't like getting political. But if their organisation does it, then basically it's saying, do it. I think EFL were behind the game. Obviously, me and you have spoken to the same people. We know bits and pieces. Yeah. You know, we've done our research and whatnot. We know that they were behind the game. And we know that they, you know, they didn't expect this to grow legs like it did. Um, in one day yesterday, we went from 37,000 people to, to 160,000 people yeah. today. So, you know, we got, we got interest. And that's primarily down to Adrian Durham, a few other clubs, the EFL pushing it. Unfortunately, the likes of Gary Lineker and um, other people like him haven't. Gary Neville, etc. I don't think have, have bothered retweeting it. But, you know, I think this will keep growing. I think that we can get to 200, 250. I think it would be great if we could get to a million people, then it'll be fantastic because that will really shove the message home to Oliver Dowden and um, Hodderston and all this lot who aren't football fans. You know, we've got a couple of MPs who are, but I think they're all self-serving to a degree on their own trait. And the problem is, is that you'll find that most of the support you're probably getting this will be the Labour ones because they they see us as a win, as a vote winner and get on board. Oh, we'll get on board. But once it's blown over, they couldn't give a flying fuck about us. So yeah. that's why we need fans. So you had a magic exactly. wand, you could get people to do whatever you want. What is it that you want fans to do next? Well, what's got to happen is, I mean, some of these high-profile boys, I think they're probably a little bit in a similar boat to some football club where they're worried about their own contracts with, you know, reputable, above-the-line companies. But I think gradually it might be a snowball effect when one or two speak out. I see Ian Wright today said a few things. You know, when one or two speak out, hopefully they all do. What all football fans have got to do is take seriously the bungling, you know, management of... Uh, the country and the impact that's having on their sport um, it only takes a second to sign these things this could be the biggest petition ever known in the history of football right yeah, it is um, it is at the moment there's only two other other petitions what got um, volume and this is by far looking to overtake any and if we can get higher and higher and keep going yeah. then then yeah I exactly. mean the, the, last year, there was a, a, a stats what say that there was 33 million people who watch football every weekend, regardless of whether that be yeah. watching on the telly, highlights, etc. Yeah. 33 million people. We get 1% of that. It's 330,000 people, right? Uh, we, you know, you get, you get a, a load more than that, we can do it. What football fans need to realise is that, look, if you don't want to go back to the stadium, great. We're not asking you to go back to the stadium. If you don't want to go, don't go. But what we're saying is, look, Sign the petition because that then makes this debate happen. This then shows the government what the view is. And obviously, if you don't want to go back, that's fine. That's up to you. Things are safe. And if you don't feel safe with it and all that, and in all honesty, I don't know. I've got a, a wife who's, who's at risk potentially. She's asthmatic and stuff and she can't really be risked. I don't know if I'll go back into the ground right now. But, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months down the line, if things level out, then, yeah, I'll probably do so. But the trouble is, if we don't do something now, then what happens is that we're going to be Christmas, still going to be the same game. And if the government thinks that they can get away with it till April and no one fights, then April's going to turn into June. June's going to turn yeah, into July. Agree. And then before you know it, most of the most of football's going to be on the telly. All of a sudden, they've 
halved all their arrest rates, all the issue, all the trouble, everything's gone away by one easy brush. And that's what we can't allow to do because football without fans isn't football, regardless of who says what, it's just not football. Now, anyone you speak to, I mean, I manage our side, I've done for 20 years, right? Anyone you speak to, um, Premier League down, will tell you these games are, you know, where is you had that initial enthusiasm because you haven't played in a few months? That's gone now. It's borderline boring. It's a leveller. That's why getting these weird results happen all over the shop. Um, after you've been doing it five minutes, it's literally nothing like... Everyone's realised football without fans is nothing. Um, so, I mean, no... to, your point, to your point, if they want to come back, if they feel it's safe to do so, but I think the average football fan would realise that when, they've had a, when they read a, a COVID protocol on a website, they would feel really confident, probably, to go in the open air. A downside more confident than going to Sainsbury's, probably. Um, you know, when they're going to a pre-allocated seat where there's a, a one-way route and ingress is managed perfectly. Um, so I, I hope that we keep getting more, more petitioning and government get this reviewed quickly. I think what we do is, uh, is what I sent you earlier, is um, on, on this show when we put this show out um if you look in the show notes of the show we'll tweet some stuff but we'll look at the show notes there'll be a link to um who's my mp and you can basically click on there and that will take you put your postcode in that will take you directly to your mp for you and then just put an email into it because every email every every request an mp has they have to act on it they have to then send you a letter they then have to you know ask your mps to raise a question in the house um, ask what's happening, when the debate is, and just keep yeah. on absolutely hammering it. Because if we can get best part of 33 million people, which we know we're not going to get anywhere near that, but if we could get anywhere near that, or even 10% of that, start lobbying MPs, that's yeah. probably bigger than any party currently in government or trying to get in the government has had. So much so, you know, Realistically, you, if you started a political party just focusing on football fan issues, which you'd never get in, but all of a sudden, you've got a potential vote base larger than any other vote base in, in one place. Um, and I think that if we make enough noise, they will listen to us. They're starting to, you know, the media's starting to listen to us with the petition. And when it, when it was done, you know, last week when it was low, we didn't think it was going to grow legs like this, but it has. Um, I think Millwall fans are, are well behind it, well support. We always love an underdog and we, we, love, we love challenges. We love it when people tell us it's not going to succeed. And you know who you are. Uh, I won't name you yet, but you know who you are who told me that this petition was going to go fucking nowhere. Well, unfortunately, we're 160, nearly 170,000 people in. It's still growing. Fucking put that in your pipe and smoke it and never tell me that, to challenge me ever again because I will prove you wrong. No, it's, uh, listen, I think what's been proven here is if we could sum it up, there ain't a plan. No. There ain't a plan. If you've got no. the Premier League, the FA, the EFL, in one day, right, sending out a petition that we've done, right, just think about the enormity of that. If someone said that to you two months ago, listen, they're going to send out your petition. That's, our, that's the lack of, um, uh, of an in they've got with government. That, that's exactly. so... They've got absolutely yeah. no, no lines between them and the government. No, we've probably got more have. connections than they have. 
nah, this is it. So they're, they're jumping on that one, and that shows they ain't, ain't no plan. For that reason, the fans and the club want to be worried. So let's hope we get this um, in Parliament quick. No worries. Well, look, Mark, thanks for your time. I just realised the time. You've got to go because you've got to get on the talk sport yeah. and speak to Adrian. So, look. I'll speak to you soon, um, mate. Huh? I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, no worries. Best of luck. Cheers, fella. I'll speak to you soon. Later. Bye. Bye. So, as you can hear, great interview with Mark. Very upfront. Uh, very passionate what he is, obviously, as the owner of Dorking FC. Um, so, we're going to team up with him. We're going to push it um, as far as we can push it and see where we can go with that. So, so yeah. So, do the sign a petition and get forward from there. Um, Omar, just we both listen to um, Nick's show at Tom Millwall. We, you mm-hmm. know, there's a there is another Millwall podcast out there, um, which is a good show. We we both listen to it. Um, we had a conversation in the week uh, about FIFA. I wasn't as aware of it as such, but obviously you're a lot more knowledgeable on it. And you were saying that there's there's real horror stories. What Harry was saying that that it, it goes deeper than what Harry was saying. Yeah, I mean, so if anyone has never picked up FIFA before, obviously it'll be like yourself like in recent times, they have this little concept, which is like their main kind of go-to called FIFA Ultimate Team. So with that, it's the equivalent of, you know, when you're a kid and you're collecting football cards. So you go to the shop, you'll spend 35p, 50p for a packet of, I used to collect shootout cards when I was younger. Um, you've got all sorts nowadays, football stickers the same. And obviously with that, with the FIFA concept of it, you can then use them cards, so to speak, and have your own football team. So you could have all sorts of players across the world in FIFA, so to speak, and you could build your own football team and obviously use that to compete against other people online. Concept's great. Let's be honest, it's been around for probably about nearly 10 years now in FIFA. And it's obviously something that brings them a lot of revenue. I think I was searching after I spoke to you the other day about it, Mickey. You're looking at about £1 billion pounds worth of gross revenue every year. 20 percent in it. 20, yeah. 30 percent of their so, income comes from from that. But I suppose it's across all computer games. Fortnite, you have to buy stuff as well. And yes and no. So the thing is with this though, it's it's endless. So until you collect so with Fortnite and stuff like that, they might bring out new stuff every so often. Mm. Kids are spending eighty pounds per transaction up to that's the highest you can put in. So you can put a process of that and it can buy you about 20 packs and you can buy all these pa- all these players but you're not guaranteed to get the best it's just like when you're collecting your football cards back in the day if you want to get that David Beckham sticker that David Beckham card you got to keep buying it till you eventually get lucky to grab that card, that special card and it's the same with FIFA you, you make so, people spending six seven hundred pounds I mean I, months. We, we both I think done a bit of research and there's you know I've read some horror stories that people have spent six to eight grand yep um, on it, there's some YouTubers who spent, you know, six thousand pound on it, opened them all up, and didn't get one good player. Um, I think the I think the percentages of getting one good player or one of the best player in in the high high end is about one percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can you do swaps? Is in like cards no. or is it? You so can. So you yeah. basically you buy the the cards and then you can sell them in their in-game currency and then you can gain FIFA coins but FIFA points is what you pay for and you buy the packs and you gain you can then either discard them so you can get a small little fee for them or you can sell them on the market the idea is especially with the new game out it's coming out tomorrow for example or if you had it earlier this week like myself for example you can get early and purchase it Um, but people will be spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds into it especially early doors because the game's at its highest peak the value of these players in game currency will be worth 
any effort if you wanted to put money into it. Um, you don't get anything out of it afterwards. You just you can win the game itself. You can have all the best players, and obviously you can have the advantage of playing against someone else that's not got the best players. So if you imagine, obviously teenagers in particular, you know they want to get all these packs. They want to be spending their pocket money on this, and you get all sorts of cases of it. Um, a friend of mine a few years ago was using his mum's credit card and he got three, four hundred quid on it when the first game came out. And that was about six, seven years ago. You know, but it's the question of the welfare of people that you've got to think about at this point as well. And a lot of people are calling for it to be a, a regulated gambling kind of authority, so to speak. So put it under gambling laws because you've, you've got no education to these people. They're not realising the concept of what they're spending. And in a sense, you're rolling the dice hoping to get good packs. You're hoping to get good players. You're not guaranteed to get it. So in a sense, you could argue that's gambling. And you've got a few different football concepts out there. If you've heard of the football index, for example, where you invest in yeah. players, that's regulated on the gambling. But you've got this FIFA franchise concepts called Ultimate Team, but it's not registered gambling or anything. They, I think there's a loophole because you can't actually cash out, can you? No, so that's so, it. So it's called loot boxes. This is what yeah. the concept is. This is like a FIFA loot box, the same with Call of Duty loot boxes, Fortnite loot boxes, as you mentioned earlier. But there is no end in sight with this because if you want the best players, they're the rarest. Like I think it's someone works out once, it's like a 0.001% chance of getting Messi in a pack. Obviously, everyone wants Messi because Messi's the best player in the world. But imagine how many packs you need to open to eventually get him in a pack. So And also... I suppose it's in their favour that you don't get missing in the pack really? because then you're more likely. Is it is it an auction process to buy the players? Yeah. So once you've opened the packs and you put them on the market, if you've got the in-game currency that you can then buy them, then yeah, you can have I don't know a million coins to buy the best players. So, so then that creates interest. That exactly. creates people going onto the platform, and then obviously that goes. But they're very self-aware of this because. I think it was about five years ago, I was mentioned to you earlier, last week, like, you know, you've got YouTubers that used to be like affiliated with these companies that used to get the in-game currency. They used to have a concept where they can get all these hundred thousands of coins, not real money, so to speak, but obviously they found a way and then they'll sell the coins. So instead of me buying 10 packs for 10 pounds, I could buy 10,000 coins for 10 pounds from this company. And then I get the coins. Oops, not something over there. <laughs> but now that the FIFA is so self-aware of it, they got rid of that method because they were losing out on making the profit. That they know it's a money maker for them. It's a money driver for them. And that's this is the only mode they touch. Like a lot of people that are big FIFA fans will critique the game, saying they've not changed anything else on the other game modes. But they focus so much on this ultimate team, selling new packs, selling themed packs because it's Halloween, for example, in a few weeks' time. They they put so much effort into it because they know it makes them so much money. And so, yeah, you bought the game early. Mm-hmm. Did you? You paid double for the game. Yeah, so like they have like a lot. So a bit like you know, you could buy the game a few days early and you get access to it. So I think I paid like seventy five pounds for it, for example. Which so the game would normally be sixty. I pay seventy five, and I do get some packs with that, for example. But I do also get the game only three days early. So yeah. for me, that was worth my time to buy yeah, it early. Yeah. So have you brought extra packs already? I haven't brought extra packs. It's something I kind of it's hard as it is because I've tried to like me personally try to get back into playing FIFA as like you know because obviously I used to play a lot when I was a kid but I'm sitting there and I'm playing and I'm coming against people that have got all the best players already because they've spent money on the game and you're getting beaten but it's it's quite infuriating but I'm trying to persevere and not buy packs but I know people that have already this week spent 100 quid on it some of my mates have you know extra than the actual game so you look at 200 quid nearly in the space of a week you know and they'll keep buying people do I mean, they sell something like 240 million copies, I think it is, worldwide of the game. 
Mm-hmm. And when you think that, you know, 50 quid a pop or whatever it is, that's huge amounts of money. And then if you think everybody spent 50 under quid on top again, then it's huge amounts of money. Um, I, look, you know, the loopholes are there, but I think that, you know, this is something what I think we're just monitoring and look at because I think it's, um, it, you know, I think they stopped the other route but I read that they didn't want to do it because it's people who've got more money can get the best players and all of this sort of stuff. But basically, if you've got the money now, you buy the game early, mm-hmm. you basically smash the packs, get a yep. lot, like you're saying, you get a good team five five days, three days before anyone else. By the time all the kids who can't afford to buy a pack, buy the game or get the game for Christmas, get the game for birthday, by the time they come on, they're going to get spanked online all day yeah. long. Like exactly, and then they'll want. Then it'll be a cycle of them saying they want to buy packs themselves. So, so it's a vicious cycle. And I mean, so, I, with the revenue, mate, I've just sort of found it on here. So in 2015, it was worth 500 million dollars revenue for them. This year, 2020, 1.49 billion dollars worth of Ultimate Team revenue. So for EA, it's a no-brainer. You know, like they're making so much money have, from it. Which so, why they have YouTubers, influencers. These big FIFA competitions, etc., 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 because they want you to spend. So it's all about spending that extra money. So my question to you would be on this: as you you play, I mean, I play computers, but I prefer um, strategy game. You know, like the war games and and driving games more so than. Um, what do you, to be fair, I've still got a fucking PS six to three sixty Xbox three sixty. My kids have both got Xbox ones. Yeah, um, but I've got a, a three sixty still. Um, in fact, I've still got, a, I think I've got a, a Mega Drive and, a, and a, um, I've got a, well, I can't think what the other one is now. Super but Nintendo. Sega. No, I've got, well, yeah, I think I've got, I've got the Nintendo um, NES yeah. um, up in the loft. But I've got, a, I remember, um, it's a Sega Dreamcast, but used to have a game on there, Metropolis Street Racing. And that was pretty much the, um, the new car game was on the Xbox now but that was like the original where you could race around London and get kudos and all that. That was a good game. But my question to you is, is it gambling or is it creating addiction? Is there a buzz of opening those packs with the whole, I've never seen it. So maybe one, maybe next time on the show, we do a share or we look at trying to do a stream and, and, Mm -hmm. and and go into it a bit. Is there, um, is, is there an addiction about opening the pack and getting the whole buzz of, do you get, you know, do you get a special card? Do you get a benefit? And can that addiction drive you to want another one and want another one? Absolutely. Like drugs or, or drink or gambling? Yeah, as for me, it's definitely a form of addiction because, you know, people will get, especially like people turn to, a lot of people turn to games in time of need. You know, some people might feel down the dumps and, you know, I've been there myself before, you know, you finish shit, don't want to go out, you just want to sit there and play the PlayStation. You'll sit there and just, you know, take time off, you know, don't think of anything around you. But then you get absorbed into this game and, you know, I've seen videos online and people talking about it in the past. You know, it's, it's, it is an addiction for people and it can kind of, you're thinking, you know, you're playing a PlayStation, you're not doing any harm. But in reality, some people can be like, they're spending their wages, you know, and in a sense... I think it's a form of gambling. I know it's not, you're not gaining anything revenue out of it afterwards. Now, this is obviously the loophole in there, like you're right. But the addiction of then wanting to open another pack and another one and another one. And then after you've, like, I've done it before in the past, not this year, for example, but I spent, say, £50 on packs and I didn't get anything out of it at the end. And I'm like, why the fuck did I just do that? You know what I mean? It's like, you realise afterwards, like, I didn't get anything out of it. It was worthwhile. So. I suppose it's a bit like scratch cards, yeah. same sort of method that you buy a scratch card knowing that 
you know, you're probably not going to win anything. But if you do, it's a buzz. So in pretty much, it's the same sort of loaded odds yeah. to agree. And maybe it just needs to be regulated. It's not. That's why I think if it was under a, a law of sorts, or it was forced upon them that, you know, there's a limit in place that people can't purchase that much. I mean, people have money, they can do it. I know that, I understand. But there's people that it sucks in that don't have the money to do it. And obviously they waste their funds on other things. So it's like, you know, you've got to think, maybe it just needs to be regulated in a bit more or maybe the concept of it needs to be revamped or, you know, just bring awareness, make people, when you buy it, just flap up on there, you know, on the screen. Are you sure you want to do this? Be gamble aware or be pack aware. I don't know. Do anything with it, but there's nothing there that's stopping them from doing that in a minute. And and the problem you've got is that once you're making that sort of money on it, it's like football. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you you look at um, the sleeves for the championship shirts. One of them is a little tiny logo sky bet you know, with the championship logo on. Mm-hmm. The other one, what goes on the other arm, is better wear, you know, make sure you bet with it. You know, it's an advertisement for um, Sky Bet, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think that, you know, betting within football, um, you're teaching people from an early age, I think. Same as same as this FIFA, you know, people from three years old upwards um, yeah. can play it and there is a big thing around kids. Football, bet, football when it's gambling has always been contradictory. Like, everyone's always had a gamble on football, but it always gets me because obviously, like you said, you've got gamble away on one side, sky yeah. bet logo on the other, and then on the back, you've got Mind Charity for yeah. people's welfare. It's like, <laughs> you've got money, revenue on one side, awareness because of the money. You know what I mean? It's always contradictory, but that's the circle of football because, you know, without that, football wouldn't be where it is now with the money. So, that's it. Yeah, Everyone likes so, their accumulators on a Saturday, it, don't they? So, you know, so, that's it. So, <laughs> so yeah. But, yeah, with FIFA, it is, it is a, sl- a slippery slope, I have to say. And it's something that I think no, no one has enough, enough awareness of to make it so public. But I think it is something that will change over time, I think, because it's crazy, mate. It is crazy. I think we'll, re- we'll revisit this, maybe look at a couple of others. So if you've got knowledge on this or you've been affected, you know, spending lots of money on it, you know, Give us a bell, get in touch. Let's um, let's have a chat about it. Or if you're quite good at FIFA and you want to kick Omar's ass, get in touch because um, <laughs> we can always do a live a uh, live game between someone. Um, might work, by the way. If anyone's take me on, it's a risky game for me for them. So big warning to you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a challenge there. So yeah. Harry of Acton Millwall, if you you want to match up, it's there. <laughs> or um, or what's his name, Russell? What's a um, on Twitter I can't think of his name now Alex Russell mm-hmm. um, you're always talking about FIFA and, uh, and I think you got it early too so you know if you yeah. you want to have a go yeah. I think he's on we're, um, we're probably streaming it maybe yeah. we, can, we can do a game and say battle of the podcast or <laughs> battle of the fan group so That's yeah um, I've got something at the end I want to say but I mean let's bring this to a close really we've had a, a rant and whatnot. not um, yeah. have you got any any thoughts you want I mean England tonight any, any thoughts yeah. on there? I'm going to go and watch it, to be fair. I'm going to have a few beers and watch it, so we'll see. I mean, against Wales, friendly game. I mean, the only thing I wanted to talk about, if we did mention it, was obviously the three players socialising on Saturday. I don't know if you saw it, mate. And then obviously yeah. they've gone out or they've had a party around Tammy Abraham's house, um, the Chelsea player. And then obviously they've all been there. I mean, I think... The, for me personally, obviously what they've done is not ideal and they're in the limelight. People are going to see it and then put two and two together and think it's okay to do. Some people will, some people won't. Some people will lament them for it. I just don't know if it's the right thing to just make them miss a game or not. Because if from a footballing point of view, you're probably going to count on these players down the line. You're probably going to want them on your side. I think a slap on the wrist, 
behind closed doors enough, I, don't, I think, personally. But that's just all I wanted to mention on that one. Personally, my view on there, they should be basically dropped for the game and let a couple of the others in. Uh, I know they're important, and the problem is, is that they're very important to this game. They're a couple of good players. And I think that's where Gareth Southgate is. If he pulls them and we lose the game... I just think it's, yeah, it's it's a friendly uh, game tonight, so it's not the end of the world, don't get me wrong. But I just, the same with the um, two players when they're in Iceland, get, getting a couple of girls around the hotel. Out of order, shouldn't happen. But you've got to think what was happening 20 years ago when we didn't have social media, mate. This is probably something that's been going on for years. And yeah. behind closed yeah. doors, you hear all stories. Like I was listening to something I was mentioned to earlier, like a, a blinding show that I pushed to people under the cosh, which is like getting players on to interview them. I was listening to Mark Bertram on then, telling all the stories they got up to in pre-season and stuff like that with Millwall and QPR, whoever he played for. And you think, fuck me, if that happened this, these days, like players be behind bars probably. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. It's mental, but... At the same time, I just think it needs to be put in perspective of, you know, it could be a lot worse things they could be doing. That's my opinion, but hey, there you go. I agree. I think they're not going to be dropped, but, you know, I think they should and maybe cut the other players get a chance to see. So they know, know, look, you know, you're playing at an elite level. You should be respectful. You should, you know, you're a role model, take care, blah, blah, blah. But I agree with you that in this day and age, you've got agents, media to try and increase players' values. You've got everyone and their auntie want to, sell a story and nick the 500 quid or a thousand pound for a story leak snapchat videos here there everywhere else so i think it's um they're fucked if they do and fucked if they don't so yeah just just um just before we do go you would have seen this week that uh the end of september um i put an announcement out that i am no longer ams um i made a decision to walk away um I was going to be closing AMS down uh, because it's fulfilled its purpose. But uh, Aisha and some others um, convinced me really that it's a platform that can be used for good and they wanted to start taking it forward in a fans panel parliament representative across different forums, different platforms, so Twitter, Facebook, um, the forum pages, etc., etc. So keep an eye on that. That will be coming out more. I think over the next few weeks, it will be used to highlight the poppy appeal massively um, because it's obviously got a good reach. But I'd say I done what I wanted to do. We've now got other projects I'm concentrating on. This being one, um, and another project was coming up shortly, which again is just trying to drive things forward. I had fun, but I couldn't have done it without every single one of you, um, without your support, without your determination, without your typical Millwall spirit, I'm only as good as you lot supporting me. Um, as Omar's learning, I come up with some fucking crazy ideas. I have no idea how we're going to do these crazy ideas, um, but we make them work. Um, hence, with our sponsor, with, um, with Gareth Wright, we've, you know, I throw him images what I want. I give him a, a profile of what I want. And he works his magic and fucking gets it there, same as he did with um, with the Wonderwall Cup. So you know, it's I'm only as good as the people right around me, and those people include every single one of the fan base who helped me through the regen battle. So I'm eternally grateful to you, and I'm very honoured and humbled um, that you allowed me to lead that charge. Um, and I think that AMS in in Aisha Smith's hands. And some others coming in. I think Mama Lyons on board and some others are, are getting on board. 
um, to run it as a as a, an independent fan group, um, different to the MSC. And I think it will do a job what it's meant to do. So if you want to help them out, I think on, on AMS Twitter feed uh, and the Facebook page, there are uh, membership forms you can fill out and join them. And I just wish them all the luck in the world. And, and thank you very much for supporting me over six incredibly crazy and mad years. But we got a victory in the end. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah, credit to you, Mickey. Obviously, Aitra, like you said, is a great person to take on as well. And whoever she works with, I'm sure they'll do great for AMS. But yeah, you, you might obviously we'll have to do a little who are you or a little show about your time at AMS and as fan of the board, I think. So yeah, I think. people want to listen to that, you know, get on us to do it because I think, you know, it'd be great to hear a bit more that, you know, at the time you might not be able to talk about, but obviously things you can talk about now, you know, it'd just be good to get a little insight into things that happened that you was involved in, mate. Yeah, no, it'll be good. I mean, you know, it'll be good possibly to get everyone to connected one day to get us all around the table. I think there's a book in there at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, what we achieved is, you know, realistically, me and Nick, um, we were like little kids. We were porn habit, really. You know, 12, 13, 14 hour days on Twitter at some points. Our family probably didn't even know who we were at some points because we were more on social media pushing it. Uh, Barney, uh, our, our finance guy, who was the investigator and... and and others but yeah no look over the next couple of weeks we'll do a show um and you can ask me anything you want or, or the fans can ask questions and um and then yeah i'll answer them um as best i can through my time so yeah well look thank you very much for listening um bit of a weird show this week bit of a ramble i suppose but look you know it's what it is um i took control today um and no doubt andrew and marie will be on the on the blower telling us how shit I was and yeah. all of this. So I'm looking forward to your review. Uh, Andrew and Marie, love you as always. Uh, Omar, I think there's nothing else to say. I think, I think you've run your course, mate, and um, you've done well today, mate. So, but I'll be grabbing it back off you next time out. So <laughs> definitely. Well, um, it's finished. We've reached a peak. Remember cinemas aren't for football. Football grounds are for football. Let fans in sign the petition and it's time for us to fuck off. in your life by becoming an RN at Duke Health, a recognized health system in North Carolina's area known as the Triangle, home to award-winning restaurants, beautiful scenic spaces, and an eclectic art and music scene. You'll have plenty to enjoy in the area and cities beyond. What's more, you'll have a career filled with purpose and opportunity, matched by benefits that best support your wellness, family, and future, offering sign-on bonuses and relocation. Apply today at DukeNursing.org. 
Message. Hey, man, it's Devin. You know, from that time you accidentally emailed me because you thought I was a different Devin. <laughs> oh, and your email signature said confidential. If you receive this in error, please delete. <laughs> That's so you. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat. When are we set in sail, Captain? <laughs> when you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Oh, and uh, no, you did not receive this message in error. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Annual Premium for Basic Liability Policy not available in all states. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.